We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Saturday afternoon. Actually, it's the morning. Excuse me. Uh, you know, 10 a.m. here in California. Um, it's all good. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? Uh, you know, I'm okay, but I did, or had happened to me what happens to every man every time he has a single ounce of time off or any moment for relaxation. He gets sick. So <laughs> had the classic thing happen to me where I finally get to rest and relax, and I got sick. So that's what I get for saying one nice thing about the Raiders, I guess. <laughs> yeah, karma, I guess, karma. Um, you know, that always happens to me. I always get sick over Christmas break every single year without fail. <laughs> so I'm either sick on Christmas or sick yeah. on my birthday, one or the other every year. It uh, does not matter what kind of vitamin C I take or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm always sick over Christmas break. Yeah, so I'll survive, but it's just it's just classic. Every time there's a break... My body goes, cool, thanks. So what I'm going to do is just never <laughs> take a break for the rest of my life, yeah. and I'll live forever. Yeah, who needs vacations? You know? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> It's not like you have a wedding coming up and, and want to go on a honeymoon or anything. No. No. Well, that, that, <laughs> that's that's kind of – it's not work, but it's a, it's a lot of work, you know? So I guess that, that'll keep me healthy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't mean like that in the honeymoon. Forget it. You know, I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I knew what you meant. <laughs> um all right so we're here today we're going to talk about some uh chargers preseason award odds so we're going to go through 
some of the notable players, um, you know, and, and as well as the the coach, and we'll talk about some things like that. Um, there were no Chargers on the comeback player of the year list, so have to throw it out there. Um, I wish there were like an offensive coordinator award. That would be cool because I would <laughs> love to see where Kellen Moore would be on that one. Um, but we're going to use DraftKings. So I know that there's a bit of different odds uh, around there. DraftKings has been kind of like my go-to because it's like the easiest one to use without having to sign up for an account. Um, so all of the odds that we are going to mention today or throw on the screen will be courtesy of DraftKings. Um, and uh, yeah, it should be an interesting discussion. So um, mention him uh, first and foremost. We're going to start with uh, Coach Staley over here. Last year was one of the favorites for Coach of the Year award um, heading into the season. This year, plus 2,500. He's tied for eighth. There's a bunch of ties. So he's tied for eighth, but really he's like, I think he's like 17th on the list or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So a bit of a different national narrative this year for Brandon Staley heading into the season. Tyler, what do you make of his placement on the odds list here? It makes sense. Going into last year, you know, the Chargers, you know, looked like they were good. Or, yeah, going into last year, the Chargers looked good on offense or that they would be good on offense. They just needed those defensive pieces. So you go trade for Cleo Mack, you have JC Jackson. So you really have an opportunity here to take that huge leap and their leap was a game and and a playoff appearance that ended in a, a tragic loss so you know him being you know there's there's 10 coaches ahead of him on DraftKings, and then he's tied for seven other no six five other guys uh four coach of the year odds i understand why they they would place him here and i wouldn't really consider him the favorite especially because you know like look at Andy Reid. He he's the worst odds for a coach of the year. And it has nothing to do yeah. with him being a bad coach or a good coach. It's just what else can they do? And with someone like Brandon Staley, do I expect or does anyone expect them to beat the Chiefs in the division this year? I don't. Clearly, you know, Vegas and most odds don't as is. So if you're not going to beat the Chiefs for your division and you won 10 games last year, then you're really like looking at what, eleven games this year at best. And does that deserve coach of the year if you're not even going to win your own division and you can only improve by so much anyway? No. So the Chargers would have to go like 15 and two and beat the Chiefs for them to, for Brandon Staley to win this. And I just don't see that happening. So I understand why he's lower on this list. Yeah, I understand too. The, the odds are certainly interesting. I mean, Sean Payton is the second highest uh, odds, which I think is like the Broncos aren't even favored to make the playoffs. So that's, that's a confusing one. Um, you know, Robert Sala, I understand completely why he's up eye on the list because all the Aaron Rodgers hype and things like that. Um, you know, it, it's, there's just, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason. Like we're going to talk about like MVP odds and like those make a ton of sense. Coach of the year odds, like Matt LaFleur is top five. Like why the Packers are going to be bad. Like that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> um, you know, you mentioned Andy Reed, you know, uh, Brian Dable is like right next to Andy Reed at plus 3,500. So you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me, like where where these odds are placed. You know, mm -hmm. typically we have like a first year head coach who like is is in a good situation, be like top top five or top six. And that's D'Amico Ryan's this year. But again, mm -hmm. Texans are going to be bad. So, you know, it just the coach of the year odds don't make any sense to me. Uh, Burley asking about Doug Peterson. He's tied for uh, sixth, I think that is at plus twenty two hundred. Mm -hmm. so the coach of the year odds are like unless you're top five it just doesn't really like there's not a big dent right there's not a huge difference yeah. in, like 
odds between Staley and Reed, who's like last. Yeah, Doug Peterson being not in the top five. Not that he's far off, but I just I'm surprised there. I'm a little surprised by Shane Steichen being quote unquote so low. That feels like you know you're taking a bad Colts team. You have your new quarterback. You know you, there should be some excitement there with what he did with Jalen Hurts, and now you're going with Richardson. I'm surprised he's so low. Yeah. Um. Who else? I mean, Zach Taylor plus twenty five hundred too. Like the the Bengals mm-hmm. could be the best team in the AFC. Like mm-hmm. that's a little surprise. Yeah. At least they've kind of been there though. So I guess I sort of get that. But still, like if if they do win because they almost did last year win that AFC crown, then yeah, he should be considered. Uh, Reich. I, I I do like Reich. I think the most here for that in terms of like odds versus where they are and what they could do yeah. like reich could literally win the division and turn that entire franchise around because they closed out really strong last year so um, i could definitely see reich taking this one yeah so DraftKings has frank rag at plus 2000 he's uh sixth on the list um arthur smith i think is another good bet you know really someone from the nfc like going in and winning 11 games and, like exact same thought being a top three seed or something like that like kind of out of nowhere like i think that would be that'd be a good bet here so um, in terms of Staley's case here, you mentioned obviously like you know the the Chargers would have to exceed expectations, you know, at a pretty high clip. Um, what else do you think the Chargers or the defense or offense or or whatever? What else do you think has to happen in order for Staley to make a more legitimate case for Coach of the Year? I mean, win on prime time. They have six of them, so I think they got to win the games that matter to people that vote. So if you have that many prime time games, you got to go win them. So stopping the Cowboys obviously would be a big one. Like if it were close, it would really come down to that Bills game where if you go out on quote unquote primetime on Peacock and you beat the Bills and you hold Josh Allen and you know your defense overall throughout the year has been pretty solid. I think that's like your final, your best option to win coach of the year. Yeah, they do have the Chiefs later, but like that game on primetime against the Bills would be huge for Brandon Staley's odds. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, like I think voters will recognize like who finishes seasons strong, mm-hmm. who wins on primetime games, and who exceeds expectations. Like, um, I, I can't remember who said earlier in the chat. You know, the, the Chargers might have to have like a top five defense. I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, I think a lot of these awards are narrative awards, and like if if the Chargers mm-hmm. go out there on prime on these primetime games, and it's like. They win because of the defense or they win because of like coaching decisions that obviously will will help stay these case. So I don't think it's as much a statistical award as much as it is like how do the Chargers close the season? How do they look in these primetime games? Do they do they exceed expectations? Do they kind of because Brandon Staley hasn't like, you know, we haven't seen the 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 previous Chargers where it's like there's a ton of expectations and they just like, you know, fall well below expectations. I mean, they're over their win, they're over, uh, over under win loss total. They've gone under by one game, I think it is this year or, or in two years that Staley's been around. So it's not like they haven't, you know, they've plummeted in these situations, you know. So him exceeding expectations this year would be a, a big deal. Does he deserve it if the defense is in the 20s, but the Chargers have won the division? I would say yes because that means they beat the Chiefs. Like that, that would you know end the division 
you know, the eight years or whatever in a row that the Chiefs have won the division. So if they win the division and the defense kind of struggles, I would still lean yes, because that mm-hmm. means we're talking about like a 13 and four season. Yeah. That'd be an interesting one. Because if, I mean, th- that would, that would mean then the offense is putting up 28 points a game, 30 points a game. So, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm really curious. In terms of voters, how they even feel about Brandon Staley, because it seems everyone was in love and on board. Then it was very mm-hmm. split. Then with that Mike Williams situation, some things to end the year, and then the Jaguars lost. Like it, it really feels like media members are out. So I'd be curious how voters would even vote for someone like Brandon Staley, who's very polarizing. Yeah, it's uh there's a lot of narratives around there for for Staley for sure. Uh, appreciate uh, Mama Shun in the chat as always sending in a super sticker. Um, okay, let's get to the next one here. That's going to be Quentin Johnston uh, wearing a Quentin Johnston homage shirt today. Uh, oh, you know, so that's fun. Cool. Um, he is uh, he's actually uh, lowered a little bit. He's plus two thousand on DraftKings now, which is uh, ninth straight up for um, these kind of odds. So Tyler, mm-hmm. we've talked a little bit, obviously. You know, he's wide receiver three, maybe four, depending on on uh, how you feel about him. But uh, what do you make of Quentin Johnson's placement on the Offensive Rookie of the Year list? It seems about fair. I, I don't know specifically about like JSN situation, how many targets he's going to get. But Flowers is going to get more targets. Addison's going to get more targets, I would assume. You have your, your three quarterbacks and B. John Robinson. So he, he's kind of right where I'd expect him. The surprise, honestly, for me is like Zach Charbonnet for the Seahawks being right after him. Yeah. Um, but, but he's about where I'd expect. And if he wins, then everything went right for him and everything went wrong for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. But, yeah. you know, he, he's very talented. And I, you know, I think he has in a normal situation, in an in a even situation, as good of odds or not better to win this. But considering where he is and the targets he's going to have to fight for, you know, B. John Robinson with 300 touches versus Johnston with 75 targets, maybe. You know, I just don't think he's going to have enough raw numbers to win this award. Yeah, I I tend to agree there. I mean, you look at this list and I mean, Bijan is the favorite, which I think is interesting because you know, there's quarterbacks this year who are going to start right away. Um, so Bijan at plus 250, Bryce Young at plus 500. Richardson ahead of Stroud is interesting. Mm. Uh, Richardson at plus 600, Stroud at plus 750. Um JSN plus 800 as the first receiver, which I mean, he was the first receiver taken. Mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs plus 900, Addison plus 1700, Zay Flowers plus 1800, and then Quentin Johnson plus 2000. So, um, like I think in terms of like the best value bet there, like I do think I would probably say Gibbs, like they're gonna, they're gonna mm-hmm. throw him the football, like he's gonna get a lot of touches. Um, so Jameer Gibbs is, is a, is a solid bet, I think. But you know, Quentin's Johnson, Quentin's placement feels fair. I feel mm-hmm. like I, I don't know if I would outright say Zay Flowers is gonna have more touches than Quentin because I mean, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Mark Andrews is there, he's their number one. He signed Odell. Like, are they really gonna throw the football that much? Mm-hmm. So I would say receiver-wise, I think Quentin should have a stronger argument than than Zay because the Chargers are gonna throw the football a ton. Yeah, um, makes sense. Addison to me is like, yeah, 
I think he probably should be the top receiver on the odds list because he's he's the unquestioned number two in Minnesota. Yeah, I would 100% agree there. If I had to pick anyone, it'd be Addison. Yeah, so Addison's placement feels a little low because, like, if Addison gets 100 and if he gets 100 targets this year, I would not be shocked. Yeah, so he's making up for Thielen, obviously. Yeah. Did they bring back not Ham? What's his name? Uh, gosh, started. No, gosh, now I forget his name. Hold on, Vikings depth chart. I'm just curious if they if they lost more than Thielen this year on the depth chart. Uh, I mean, they might be losing Dalvin Cook in a little bit. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, the fullbacks, Ham. Who the heck am I thinking of? Oh, Osborne, maybe. No, Osborne. Not even close. I got the Ham part and the Vikings right. Just it was completely Osborne. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Osborne's back though, isn't he? Yeah, he is back. Yeah, I, I do think this is a good point by uh, Capil. You know, Quentin's going to have a lot more big play opportunities. That's very true because I mm-hmm. like I don't think Addison, JSN are going to be kind of big play receivers. Although JSN too, like he's wide receiver three there, but like he could get like 85, 90 catches pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But how many like how many big plays is he going to get? I think that's a fair point from Capil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Vikings do have TJ Hawkinson still, but like I think Jordan Addison is going to be like from a volume standpoint, Addison's going to be number two there. So, and the Vikings defense is going to be really bad, like really, really bad. <laughs> so they're going to have enough. points. Yeah, yeah. This is Thielen last year, 103 targets. So yeah, not saying yeah. he's Adam Thielen, but there's a lot of targets to make up. Yeah, and. I think there is a world where like Keenan and Mike stay healthy and mm-hmm. Quentin still challenges for offensive rookie of the year. It would also kind of coincide with uh, Justin Herbert's MVP case, I think, but you know, right. We'll see. Yeah. No, if Quentin Johnson is even slightly in contention for that and guys are healthy, Herbert's winning MVP. I mean, that means like you basically got yeah. 1200, 1300 and like 900 yard guys or something. Yeah. I think as long as Quentin gets over like 800 yards, I think he could be at least like have a case, like depending on uh, like what kind of big plays are we talking about? What kind of moments are we talking about? So I think there's a world where Quentin makes a strong case, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be one of the quarterbacks. Like, I mean, the NFC South is so bad that Bryce Young could win nine games, make the playoffs. And like, that's, (laughs) that's a no brainer, man. Like that's just how the awards go. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I'm trying to look at, I'm trying to go back to 2018 to see how many targets did Phillip Rivers get to his receivers that year. That's going to take me a moment. But I'm just curious because that's like the last time they had like a legit trio who also stayed healthy. So I'm I'm just curious what is possible for like a wide receiver three. Okay. Mm, Targets 125, 64, 63. Yeah, it'll be more than that for Mike. Yeah, Anthony Lynn was pretty set on uh, like 50-50 split that year. Plus, I mean, Gordon caught the ball a lot. I mean, so did mm. Eckler that year. So, Oh, God, they still had Gates that year, too. And Hunter Henry. Oh, wait, that was the year Hunter Henry tore his ACL? He's, yeah, yeah, because he all oh, came back for the Patriots game. That's right. Barely. That's right. My guy Dalton Kincaid plus thirty five hundred. I'm just saying, throwing that out there. 
it, it's funny because I think he could legitimately be like the the best on that list, even ahead of the receivers. We got Josh Allen, Dalton Kincaid. There's nothing really, unless he's behind Dal- you know, Dawson Knox, which I doubt, but maybe. Yeah. All right, so uh, we'll move on here to Defensive Player of the Year. The Chargers have some long shots at the award. Uh, first and foremost, Derwin James plus 6,000. He's tied for 11th, but there's, like, again, a lot of names ahead of him. And then uh, Joey Bosa also on the list at plus 4,000. He's closer. He's tied for 8th, so he's at least, like, in the first, like, initial screen. Like, you don't have to scroll down for Joey like you do for Derwin James. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, what do you make of the the defensive player of the year chances for Derwin and Joey? I would say fair. I, I would like to see not that it's his fault where his odds are, but I would like to see Derwin James play like a closer to a defensive player of the year this year. Which again is so weird because he plays so well. But there was if anyone watches rookie year in 2018, there was just something different and something a bit more special the way he affected the game. I think more than just having a lot of roles, he did a lot of things. Like he, he, he didn't just have different things to do. He was able to actually, like I think, make an impact in more ways in 2018 that he has really, you know, with Gus Bradley, with Brandon Staley. Um, so I'd love to see him kind of get back to that 2018-ish form, although the role is a lot more simplified. Um, but Joey Bosa, I get it. Like why, why honestly would you put him ahead of some of these other pass rushers? There's no real reason to even though he's a good pass rusher the consistency hasn't been there he was injured last year the last time we saw him in the playoffs wasn't doing so hot had the kind of the, the national tv thing happen um so yeah i mean bosa ahead of him garrett ahead of him parsons ahead of him reddick ahead of him i don't know about burns ahead of him but like donald ahead of him <laughs> uh, it all makes sense yeah there's um i mean he's tied with roquan smith and patrick sertan so that's that's an interesting one. Um, you know, Hassan Reddick is plus 2,500. So he'll have the statistics for sure. Sauce Gardner plus 1,500. That's an interesting one. Yeah, Brian Burns is definitely the biggest surprise there in terms of like guys yeah. that are ahead of him. I like I was definitely drinking all the Kool-Aid last year when it came to Joey and Khalil and like how that pairing would work together. Mm-hmm. Because like I think if you... I know the numbers weren't huge in 2021. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Joey was one of the most double teamed players in the league that year. Um, but if you go back and watch the film of how Joey Bosa performed in 2021, I think you you definitely see the film of like a top five edge rusher still. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not he's able to get back to that point after this groin core injury, we'll see. But I, I like I do think there's a world where Joey in this defense now with like Khalil and, and uh, Morgan Fox and, and all these guys like coming back together. Like, I do think there's a world where Joey puts up, you know, 16, 17 sacks. I just don't know if that's enough. I mean, like Micah Parsons is going to eat this year. Like Mm -hmm. miles Garrett finally has help in Cleveland. Like he could hit 20 sacks. I wouldn't be shocked. You know, Max Crosby, like there's just so many guys. Like, I think there, there is, there's less of a team element in the individual awards, but like, yeah, the Chargers are gonna have to be very, very good, and Joey's gonna have to be like the key defensive player, and the defense is gonna have to be much better. But statistically, like, I think there's at least a chance that Joey finishes at like top, top six or seven in voting in this award. Yeah, and no, I could definitely see that. It really just comes down to these rushers that win it. Typically, they have these 
ungodly years where it's like 100 pressures and 20 sacks or whatever it is. And Joey's yeah. just never really been that guy. He, he'll, yeah. I mean, honestly, if you ask me, like, is he a top three edge rusher at the end of this year? I could probably say yes. I could see that happening. But whether that means he's top three in terms of like defensive player of the year voting, I don't right. know because we'll look at per play stats. We'll look at all that sort of stuff. Great. But people are going to look for the sack numbers. People look for the pressure numbers. And Joey just never really has racked up those stats, kind of like someone like, I don't know, Max Crosby the previous year, who again had like 102 pressures or whatever it was. Just yeah. doesn't happen for him. Yeah, Joey's always been more of a win rate and film guy than he has like sheer numbers. So I understand that. Joey would have to have a huge season, like I said, for him to get Defensive Player of the Year candidacy. Like, I just think there's so many top-notch edge rushers that are like gonna put up those massive numbers and you know his brother last year like his brother last year had like 110 pressures and like 14 15 sacks like and four or five uh strip sacks like he was just always wreaking havoc up there yeah so i think plus four thousand, i think is probably indicative of like where he is coming off of last season but i do think like if there's like a top 10 release like i, I wouldn't be surprised if joey ends up in the top 10 Totally. Uh, one thing I just want to bring up adjacent to all this is um, Peter, who talked about comeback player of the year. I uh, hope you're enjoying your breakfast burritos you're making. Um, we only didn't mention JC Jackson because he's not on the odds. For us, I'm surprised that he's not on the odds. But Steven, yeah, just, Steven just mentioned that the Chargers don't have anyone because there's no one listed on DraftKings for the Chargers. Right. Yeah, I appreciate the clarification there. So, um, And like LD Bruin points out, if Damar Hamlin plays every game, he's winning like he doesn't even have to start like he's like he's just gonna win like <laughs> um you know the, the comeback player of the year odds again similar to like coach of the year like they don't make any sense like tua is second on the list like, yeah i don't tua well, played almost every game yeah russell wilson is third like what are we <laughs> like, no what? that can't happen no i'll root for anybody i'll root for Tua before russ doesn't make any sense yeah no, back from what losing his office right Right. Like the, the comeback player of the year thing is it's a popularity contest. It's like a, it's like a narrative story award. So like JC Jackson coming back for us is really cool to see, right? Like he is already way further ahead of schedule than I would have thought. But like, you're talking about Demar Hamlin who like literally died on a football field. Um, mm -hmm. You're talking about John Mechie who could come back from cancer you know yeah mm -hmm. uh foster moreau like signed with the saints like he could come back from cancer like right away mm -hmm. um you know calvin ridley coming back from the gambling suspension <laughs> the entire so, detroit lions team coming back from the suspension <laughs> yeah 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 exactly exactly um you know so I, I just think they're like for us he's a great story but i think like nationally there are better stories which is still so funny to me that that rivers won the award in 2013 yeah, because he never, he didn't help this man alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Like, there's, like, I need some qualifications. Like, what exactly is comeback player of the year mean? Like, are, mm -hmm. does it have to be somebody who's injured? Like, Russell Wilson, comeback player of the year? Like, what? <laughs> what is he coming back from? Being terrible? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, I guess. Um, but even then, um, yeah. Stafford, Jimmy G, like, uh, some of these are just so. Is Baker starting somewhere? Yeah, he's going to start in Tampa. <laughs> when did I miss that? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, um, 
they obviously Tom Brady is retired. Retired. God. Um, Blaine Gabbert signed in Kansas City, I want to say, to be the backup from Holmes. So it's um, they're going to have a competition in Tampa, but it's Baker versus Kyle Trask. <laughs> so it's going to be Baker. Yeah, Frank Reich is winning co- Coach of the Year. That's <laughs> They'll be fine. Yeah, and Todd Bowles is probably going to get fired. So that is rough. Whew. That is rough. But that's another one too. Like, I mean, Baker coming back. Like, if he has a good season, like if the Bucks like surprise and make the playoffs, like you know, media members will eat that up. All right, uh, next one here. I was surprised at how high he ranked. That is Mr. Austin Eckler for Offensive Player of the Year. We haven't talked a ton about Eckler. I mean, outside of like the trade requests and things like that, he's currently plus two thousand on DraftKings, tied for fourth. Uh, for offensive player of the year again I feel like him having these kind of odds at this time last year would have made a lot of sense this year I'm a bit surprised at this Mm -hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts here I guess there's maybe some expectation that well Austin Eckler is still on the team and they don't have anybody else behind him and he does put up big numbers so I, I guess like Austin Eckler wants to have this is contract year so he's going to want to have a big year. The Chargers would love for him to have a great year. So when he goes yeah. somewhere else, they can get that comp pick. So, I mean, there's a world where you see, you know, at least better efficiency for the Chargers. I wouldn't say increased usage, but they're going to want to use him a lot because they're going to use him a lot and then get rid of him. So still, though, the placement here is surprising. Like, I don't know. I, I really don't know why he would be. If you had asked me where, you know, Austin Eckley would be, I'd say outside of the top 10, 15 easily. I would have listed like Garrett Wilson now. I listed some quarterbacks. Um, so it's a bit of a surprise that Eckler is so high here. And then I, it just, does he ever get love from voting members? Certainly not the Pro no. Bowl. Well, that's a very different thing. So yeah. like what would he do this year that's so different in the last two years to put him in Offensive Player of the Year? Like, Right. I just I don't see what else he could do at this point. Even if he has another great year, he did that last two years. Yeah, it's I mean, he's scored 40 touchdowns over the last two seasons. It's like uh maybe last year probably would have been a better chance for him, but yeah, you know, so Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase tied for plus one thousand with the lead. Uh Christian McCaffrey is uh standalone second at plus fourteen hundred, and then it's Justin Fields, Jonathan Taylor, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, and Eckler tied for fourth so Hmm. like vegas at least right now is expecting you know another elite austin eckler season and i just don't i don't know like where the touches are going to come from he's definitely not catching 100 passes this year um you know the touchdowns like maybe he gets to like 15 total like i think like with the amount of weapons the chargers have now on offense and presumably like a healthier season from Mike and Keenan and Donald Parham, like Eckler's going to have some, you know, natural regression in terms of touchdowns and receiving production that I just, I have a hard time believing that like he would have to rush for over a thousand yards for the first time in his career and still be like a legit, like, you know, top five, six ish in touchdowns. Like he's going to have to have like, a much better season on the ground than we've seen in the past for him to be offensive player of the year. If he didn't win it last year, man, like he's going to have to like do something he's never done. And that's 
rush for over a thousand yards, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm looking at so Derrick Henry won it in 2020. I'm curious what his stats were because even with like Jonathan Taylor having a great year, the previous year Cooper Cup won. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Derrick Henry had 2,027 yards. <laughs> so you know it's gonna take a bit. <laughs> I mean, Jonathan Taylor. What did he have in 2021? Wasn't he like? Uh, wasn't he close to like eight? 1800 yards i want to say and he scored 20 touchdowns all mostly on the ground too yeah so in terms of rushing jonathan taylor in 2021 1800 yards 18 touchdowns receiving somewhere in there um and still lost to cooper cup which i get like cooper cup had a great year cooper cup won the triple crown for the first time in like 20 years so yeah i it's so hard for running backs to win these kind of awards now like i like you have to do truly something special like Derrick Henry rushing for 2000 yards. Cause like you go through this list and like, you know, Jamar Chase could get 2000 yards receiving. Like, I think that's in the realm of possibilities here. You know, Tyree kills a great receiver, Stephon Diggs, Garrett Wilson with Aaron Rodgers. like Eckler, Eckler would have to do something like special on the ground for him to really like merit this kind of hype. Yeah, I mean, hey, you you, you want two thousand yards? I won't stop you. You know, please <laughs> go go for it. But I yeah. just that's such a significant leap for him. And I get the Chargers will be more efficient this year, but that I don't mean like not by what do you have last year? Eight hundred rushing yards? Nine hundred? It was it was close to nine. I want to say it was just, like eight fifty or something like that. It's almost like two and a half times your your typical rushing yard season on top of your receiving duties. So, yeah. What do you think is like statistically, if everybody stays like mostly healthy, what do you think Eckler's like best case from a receiving standpoint is this year? Oh, geez. Um, it's not so every team they're playing this year seems good. So I don't think there's any, oh, we're just going to sit in the fourth quarter and run it out sort of thing. So I think they're going to have to be in every game throwing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to look at because he's still the lead guy. Like, I, it's not even like you know we're talking about Spiller, we're talking about Kelly. I just don't know if if they're. I don't think I don't think Spiller and Kelly are going to eat very much into their into right their receiving workload. Right. So, you know, it's weird because everything's on like a seventeen game season now. But seven, I'll just say seventy five targets. I don't know what did he have last year? One hundred twenty five. Something ridiculous. Yeah, because that was like when he was basically receiver one for them for like four weeks. <laughs> right. I'd have to know also maybe a bit more of like Colin Moore's tendencies to use running backs. How much are they relied on for an outlet? So um, I think we, so in 2022, Eckler was 127 targets and 107 catches. Um, so he, he caught the ball a ton. A lot of that was like check downs and swing passes. So he did have his lowest, uh, yards per reception total, which was 6.7 per average. Mm -hmm. Um, in 2021, he had 94 targets and 70 catches. Um, Mm -hmm. that was 9.2 yards per reception and eight touchdowns though. So like he was incredibly productive as a receiver in 2021 and efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, 2020, obviously that was when he was injured. 65 targets, 54 receptions, 7.5 yards per reception. Um, 2019, um, with uh, Melvin Gordon's last year, uh, that year he had 108 targets 
and 92 receptions for 993 yards and eight touchdowns. So very productive that year. 2018, 53 catches, 39 targets, 404 yards, 10 yards per reception is best of his career, and three touchdowns. Hmm. So let's see. I'll stick to 75. Oh, Zeke's? Yeah. Just as a receiver. So Zeke's career high with Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator was 71 targets and 54 catches. Hmm. So that was 40, 420 yards on the ground. Um, when in 2018, when Kellen Moore was the quarterbacks coach, Zeke had 95 targets and 77 catches. Last few years, he hasn't really been used very much as a receiver, though. Mm-hmm. 23 targets this past year. Yeah, but I, I'd be shocked if he cleared 100 this year. Tony Pollard had 55 targets. So last year you had basically, what did I say, 25 for Zeke, 55 for for Pollard. So is that 70? 70 combined targets between the two of them? No, Zeke had more than that, no? Did you say like 71 targets? No, I meant last year. Zeke's career high with Kellen was 71 targets. Oh, his career high was... Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Last year was 25, and then 55 for Pollard. 25 for Zeke? Jeez, dude. Yeah. So, I like... I think, like, best case for Eckler as a receiver, if everybody stays healthy, I think you're looking at maybe, like, 60 catches, 550 yards kind of thing, like, a few touchdowns here and there, but, like, they're going to throw the ball to the receivers way more. I mean, Everett's coming back. Parham is going to be back. Like, there's just way more options this year than there was the past few years. Yeah. Ar- Arjun is sort of trying to mine through some data and find some patterns and things for, like, Kellen Moore and even, like, the width of the formation. You know, he's looking at data like that. So, you know, I'm really curious how often in those three wide receiver sets the ball ended up going to the running back in, like, a non-checkdown situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff where I'm just like, okay, like, yeah, that's that's a lot of change from the past of how we can look at data. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, the the big one here, Justin Herbert is plus twelve hundred for MVP this year. It's tied for fifth. Um, so just looking at the odds for MVP, I think people are pretty bullish on Justin Herbert this year, and I think some of that mm-hmm. is is rightfully so. We've seen him uh you know put up big time numbers over the last couple of years so for those who are wondering it's patrick mahomes is the favorite at plus 700 joe burrow's second plus 750 josh allen plus 800 jalen hurts plus 900 and then lamar and justin herbert both at plus 1200 uh what do you make of herbert's placement here tyler uh, i'd say hurts is a bit of a surprise I mean, yes, they do have Sirianni there, but I'm just curious how much people believe in that sustainability from year to year to year. Yes, he made a big leap forward, and so I guess he could keep that same play, but you know, can he do it again, especially without Shane Steichen? I don't know. Um, him behind Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen makes sense. Those guys all went further in the playoffs or have been further in the playoffs. Uh, Mahomes at number one, completely understand that. Uh, 
tied with Lamar Jackson is interesting. I feel like you'd need to see that. Um, so I guess if I had any like qualms with anything, it'd be that Herbert should probably be fourth ahead of Hertz, probably. Um, I also just think there's a bit of more of a narrative this year. You're like, okay, he was hurt last year. He broke his ribs and he yeah. tore his labrum. And now he's got Kellen Moore and he can finally throw it down the field and get back to that sensational, you know, rookie season where they were throwing it down yep. the field more, hopefully. So I, I think that, you know, he shouldn't pass the trio of AFC quarterbacks um, based on how far the team has gone. But I think I think fourth is solid and I, and I do really like his odds. Yeah, I think you hit on the key points there. Like I mentioned, narrative, narratives are so strong with how these awards are voted upon and the whole thing with justin herbert the past couple of years i mean outside of just like his play is like oh we want him to throw the ball down the field more like we want him to really test everything like we want him to do this we want him to do that well what's the way to do that you get him kill him more you get him quentin johnston and mm -hmm. then you mentioned the injury stuff too like he people forget like on social media but like media members remember the injuries that he has has mm. dealt with and so you know coming back from the ribs coming back from the shoulder you get keenan and mike williams coming back presumably more healthy you get kel moore quentin johnston like there's gonna be a very strong narrative for justin herbert and like i think he the numbers are gonna be there for him you know like appeals pointing out like him healthy new offensive coordinator there's definitely a recipe for him to finish in the top three mm -hmm. but the final piece is obviously going to be how do the Chargers end up in the win-loss record? Because if if they're, you know, the sixth seed in the AFC and Herbert leads the league in passing, that's great, but it's not going to be an MVP season. So yeah, I think Herbert could ultimately come very, very close to winning this award this year. Um, I think he's going to come back with a vengeance from these injuries. I really do. But how many games do the Chargers win? Like, do they beat the Chiefs? Like, if they win the division if they're a two seed in the AFC or a three seed in the AFC and Herbert leads the league in passing, I think that's a really strong argument for MVP, mm -hmm. you know, dethroning the chiefs in the, in a season after they won the super bowl. Like there's, there's definitely a world where Herbert wins the MVP, but the team has to win games as well. And probably at least very, you know, bare minimum win the division. Yeah, I, I would, He's a good guy to bet the money on, but I don't know if I would predict it. Like, it's a good spot to bet money on. Yeah. But I don't, and, I, and I won't predict it, to be honest, um, because I don't have them finishing ahead of the Chiefs. So does that mean that Mahomes is the MVP? Not necessarily, but I just think that I don't have the Chargers ahead of the Chiefs. And again, like you said, like a, the sixth seed, whatever it is, despite the numbers that he might have, it's not enough. Like, that. Yeah. that means that in one or two of those Chiefs games and in some other primetime games, maybe against the Bills, against the Patriots, things didn't work out. And so that's just, that's not enough. And it doesn't it mean it's a bad season. No, but I just think Chargers finished behind the Chiefs this year. And so I can't really predict the MVP for him. Yeah, um, for what it's worth, the DraftKings has him uh, plus 700 to lead the league in passing, which is third only behind Mahomes and Burrow. So again, like, I think the narrative will be there. I think the story will be there. I think the statistics will be there for Justin Herbert, mm -hmm. but the team has to really carry some weight here. And, um, you know, again, if Herbert has an MVP type season, then we're probably seeing like other awards. Right. So, you know, Herbert can, I think, get there. And I think like he'll be in the running down the stretch. Um, as long as, you know, everybody stays relatively healthy, but, mm -hmm. um, 
does that translate to wins? Like that's that's the final piece here that we're just a little unsure about. Yeah. Um but plus 1200 for Justin Herbert, a guy who could lead the league in passing, I think that's a fantastic bet. Mhm. Mhm. Sorry, I'm reading some comments here. You're good. I thought we died or something. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, Tyler, any other thoughts about some of these awards? Um, not really, other than comeback player of the year. JC should be on there, at least yeah. on the list. There's like 80 other players. I know. So he should be on there somewhere. But nope. So I hope these guys are all in contention for the awards. Yeah, because that would mean the Chargers have a great season. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. So... Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see. I've you know I do think the offense is going to be so much better this year, so much more fun to watch, more explosive. Um, need the defense to carry some more weight this year for sure. Oh yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we're about 43 minutes in today. Um, we'll take questions for about 15 minutes from you guys uh, this afternoon. So if you uh, have questions, obviously Super Chats are appreciated. That will ensure that we answer your questions. Um, but other than that, yeah, start firing, firing away, and uh, we'll get to some other conversations here. Tyler, are you drinking tea or, or coffee or what? A uh, tea, although I'm out now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna brave the next 15 minutes, but we're gonna make it. Yeah, I've always like because sometimes after we have like a long episode, like my throat gets like really dry and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how these guys who talk for three hours on their shows do it, man. Like, and every day, um, Gollum juice. Did you ever hear that Andy Circus thing where he had to like do the Gollum voice all the time? So they made this oh, like yeah. thing called I Gollum that would juice. Kill your throat. Yeah, it was, it was just like gobs of honey and tea and whatever they could find. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Um, mascot wants to know if we are going to be at training camp. So 
Tyler obviously lives down there, so he's going to be able to go more than I will be. I'm planning to come down for at least two weekends of camp this year. Um, although we, we uh, should be getting some more access than years past. So um going to be a ton of fun, man. I love training camp. It's one of the best experiences as a fan that you can have. So if you've never been to training camp, I would definitely encourage you to get up there. Um, it's the last year they're going to be at Costa Mesa too. So, you know, next year again, they're going to be in El Segundo at the new facility, which will be awesome to see in person. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Costa Mesa, it's, it's right. It's like 15 minutes away from Newport. It's a great area to go like spend a little vacation and stuff like that. So um, I don't know what your plans are, Tyler, but I'll be down for probably two weekends this year. Yeah. If you guys see me down there a lot, that means I'm unemployed. <laughs> so hopefully you, <laughs> hopefully you don't see me down there. <laughs> Um, as I wrap up my teaching credential, um, not I will be down there, so I might still have a job. Don't get me wrong, but um, the, the weekday stuff is going to be a little bit tougher. Oh no, I know. I mean, I, school doesn't start until school doesn't start until middle of August. Never mind. I will be down there, and I'll be employed. How about that? There you Hopefully, go. Speaking into existence. Yeah. So I'll be down there for as many as I can. My my mom's become a huge fan. She she knows all like the players' numbers and stuff now. So she wants to go. So we'll definitely be down there. I'll be down there. Stephen and I will be down there. Yeah. Arjun and I will be down there. I'm sure Arjun will be there at some point. Um, yeah, so we'd love to be there. Hopefully, we can hop the fence, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah, last year or last year, I didn't have the I didn't have the time to to make it down, but this year I'll, I will make time uh, to come down. So, um, your mom says the first day of camp is your birthday. It tends to be around there, but I don't think it is. I mean, if my mom found out what the schedule was, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> at this point. But um, yeah. I don't think they've released the schedule yet. But typically, it's around my birthday. Yeah, it's usually like last week of July is when they start up. So, you know, they do that like back together Saturday that that everything yeah. happens this year. Um, I'm pretty sure they're joint practicing with the Saints this year. Um, so that'll be a fun one. You know, hopefully Trevor Penning's on his best behavior that day. Oh gosh. Yeah, really? Yeah. Did you not know that? Oh yeah, huh. I don't know, I thought it was a different team this year. No, because I, I don't think they'll join practice with the Rams, but they'll and then the Seahawks is the last preseason game. Mm. So they'll they'll do joint practices with the with the Saints. Why did I think it was the Cowboys? Because it was last year. That was his last year, yeah. Um, all right, we'll get to the next question here uh, from Kapil. He wants to know, did you guys watch some All-22 film on Darius Davis? What did you see from him as a slot receiver, especially as a deep slot threat? Any thoughts here, Tyler? I uh, did not watch him intentionally. I was just looking for the, uh, other than like some of the fun plays, mostly just looking for the return <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so I watched him. I think as a deep slot threat, he can make some fun plays. I think he gets in a little trouble with his size. If you're a little bit more physical with him, he can get rerouted at times. Um, but he's he's got some wiggle. He's got some juice. Like I mean, that four three speed is legit. Um, so if you're if you're playing like deep cushion against against Darius Davis, he can certainly make you pay. Um, I would I loved watching them use him as like a jet sweep and then vertical route option at TCU. So they would they would motion him and then he would run like a wheel route or he would run like a, a slot fade or like turn it into a post. And so I, I think he has some legit receiving chops that people are not necessarily talking about. Not that he's going to be like wide receiver four or, or anything, but um, 
I think the team is going to trust him to be more than a receiver. I think you're you're probably looking at somewhere in between Andre Roberts and DeAndre Carter in terms of his like receiving role. Um, obviously, DeAndre Carter played a lot more because of injuries, but you know they didn't use Andre Roberts at all <laughs> as a wide receiver. So um, I think they'll use him at least somewhat. I don't. I'm not expecting like mm-hmm. a ton of production, but I do think there is some legit receiving chops there. Yeah, there should be. I don't know what the difference is between the Chargers and the Cowboys in terms of three wide receiver sets, but the Cowboys run it a lot, or they ran it a lot with Kellen Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's just going to be more receivers on the field. And if Arjun, because he was talking to us about you know the, the Cowboys had some of the widest formations in the league. I think it was seventh or eighth in the league in 2021 for like half a season, which is all mm-hmm. the data he had, but it's the best we can go with. Um, so I think opening up the field like that and then having someone Darius Davis would be huge for the team. Yeah, 100%. Um, people have thrown out like the Tyreek Hill stuff and not to single uh, May Scott out because he's not the only one. Um, listen, man, if Darius Davis becomes Tyreek Hill, then that means they got like the best pick of the draft by far. Um, I think well, you're nice. probably, yeah, I think you're probably looking at somebody who can like occasionally give you like four or 500 yards receiving like at best. Well, that, that'd be a slam dunk. If you can get a returner like that and he gives you four yeah. or 500 yards, yeah, guys are probably hurt then, but not bad. Yeah. Uh, Scott Child's pointing out they didn't have to use Roberts because the receiver room was healthy. He's also not a good receiver. <laughs> no, no. Um, okay. <laughs> Jeremy Williams wants to know, how are you able to juke your dad and not become a deluded Raider fan? Uh, Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> he, what is he going to do? Convince me to watch that team? No. So, I mean, it was literally like the Raiders were god awful. Right. Like bad. My dad almost stopped watching football because after like the post Gruden era, really until like Derek Carr was terrible. Like Terrell Pryor was their quarterback who ended up being a receiver, you know, for like the, for Washington or something at some point. Um, it was rough. So, yeah, there was nothing to root for there. They were dreadful, and the Chargers were outstanding, and they were, like, local. Like, there was a time where the Chargers were really good, and when I hit middle school and I started to like football and, and want to, you know, watch the teams. So, see, middle school for me would have been, like, 06, 07, 08. So, it's like, yeah, who am I going to root for? Yeah, Danian Tomlinson just had 31 touchdowns. <laughs> and they and they play, yeah. you know, in, in, in San Diego. So, for me, it was, like, the local – team if you will grew up in orange county so uh yeah you know my dad grew up in la so obviously he's older than i am so more of a raiders fan me obviously chargers fan yeah i mean your dad growing up in la like that's when the raiders were at their prime like that was you know raiders were were like so good with al davis and that that team and and they were you know howie long and all those guys so i mean your dad being a raiders fan makes sense like that's People always like are surprised at the Raiders turnouts in LA games, but it's like there was a time where the Raiders were like the kings of LA. And so like there's they still have very strong roots there. But when we were kids, the Raiders were like worse than god awful. <laughs> they were so bad in the in yeah. the mid two thousands after their like last little Super Bowl run. Like they went they fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like they were bad and then there were like character concerns all over the place 
And so it, it, it totally makes sense why somebody in Orange County would be like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go down to San Diego instead and watch the more fun team as <laughs> a really good team and really cool players too. Yeah. Yeah. I never even went to a Raiders game as a kid. I mean, granted, they were further. And, you know, I don't think my dad's just going right. like, to up and take me to Oakland you know, when I'm five. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we just, there was nothing really to, to go off of. I will say, like, the Raiders are part of the reason I started liking football in general, but that's actually not because of um, the way that they were at the time. It's just um, back when people watched cable TV and they had, like, the NFL film segments and they'd have, like, Ghost to the Post or um, the Sea of Hands, you know, two very classic Raiders moments, um, one against the Dolphins. I forget which one was Ghost to the Post, but, like, watching like the nostalgia of the nfl and, and watching these guys play and, and watching um oh gosh what's the raiders quarterback's name dang it my dad's gonna kill me it's not Staubach. it's obviously the the oh longer hair Gannon? nope longer hair stabler ken stabler like watching hmm. those films and those things that nostalgia helped me like the nfl because that was so cool um but the, no, their team sucked like really bad yeah, no, the Raiders in the mid two thousands, man, were different kind of train wreck. <laughs> like I've, I don't think we've really seen a team like go from like, like consistent Super Bowl contender like they were in like the late nineties to like bottom of the league for like ten years that way. Yeah, I mean, th- there was a point where what's three Super Bowls? I think to them, uh, Washington, Vikings, Eagles. Um, of course, I would know that. <laughs> They, um, it's almost like if the Steelers of this modern era suddenly just became like the Browns, not worse than that. Well, like that, that bad era of Browns, which yeah, you can yeah. say is most every year. Um, they were so, I mean, one of the class teams of the league. And again, that's why I like, I liked watching the nostalgic versions of them, just not the current ones. Yeah. For me, not, I mean, the question was about you, obviously, but, um, growing up in Utah, like the Broncos are the local team there. And similar, like they were really bad in the mid two thousands. Um, we like the Cowboys were like weirdly like the second local team in in Utah because they were like the biggest brand. So we got every single Cowboys game every single week. And so my dad and my brother are both were both loosely Cowboys fans. My dad's not so much mm-hmm. anymore. My my brother still is. Um, but I was not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we had cousins who lived down in um, down in Oceanside. And we Mm -hmm. went to visit them when I was like eight for Thanksgiving. We went to a Chargers Titans game, I want to say. And so that's, Mm -hmm. that's what did it for me. Like seeing LT in person was just like, and that was after my first year of football, little league football. And so it was like, that was like the prime spot time to, to pick a team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was almost a saints fan. Only mm-hmm. because I, at least USC was good, right? So I was because oh, of Reggie. It. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, okay, it might be like a. I, I just had no real connection to a team other than my dad being a Raiders fan. So I, I basically I was going to pick anything but the Raiders. It seemed. Yeah. Um. So I was almost going to be a Saints fan, but like, I mean, they weren't. They weren't good. Of course, like right when I was about to be a Saints fan, they won the Super Bowl like two years later. So. Yep. Uh, yep. That's my luck. But oh well. <laughs> Yeah, good times there. Um, all right, we'll we'll do one last question here from El Bobby. I think this is an important one. He wants mm. to know how big of an impact do you think the new facility 
slash location will make for the organization. Obviously, the Chargers taking media members on a tour of the new practice facility this week. Um, the timeline for that apparently is that they're hoping to be done by the spring. And the Chargers are hoping to be able to uh, have their draft headquarters be at the new facility next year and then mm -hmm. have like a true, true opening for like training camp. But like the, the players will have OTAs and stuff like that at the new facility. So um, it seems ahead of schedule. Um, obviously, it's in El Segundo. You know, it's a great location for the team. It's like, what, 20 minutes away from SoFi, maybe less. Um close to the beach, close to where, where the Kings have their practice facility, where the Lakers have theirs, where the Clippers will have their new um, basketball arena. So Tyler, what do you make of, you know, like the logistics and the location of how the Chargers are doing this in El Segundo? Yeah, it's nice that the Chargers will have something to identify with that is theirs. You know, they're, they're using the practice field, you know, at Costa Mesa. They obviously share a stadium with the Rams. To have a place that's their own, I think is really good for building their identity and for mm -hmm. just being in the city. You know, like the Costa Mesa venue, I think was honestly perfect for the time that they had it, especially as you're transit, like you're between LA and San Diego. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really, really helpful for kind of making that transition. But you're the Los Angeles Chargers now, and you know, you have been for a few years. And I think as you're really trying to establish, you're, you're finally in your new stadium, you're not at StubHub, you know, you, you're establishing yourself as a legit. LA team hopefully being out there I think is a lot better um, so I, I think it's really solid I think it's good for them to have this all the upgraded stuff whatever it ends up being if you're talking to me and you just tell me that you know with this new facility they have better training equipment and, and more trainers or things are better for them to get healthier they have more whatever like any little edge anything that they can possibly find to get an edge in the NFL would be huge so I think mm -hmm. that them having this would be really really good yeah, I agree. And like the Costa Mesa spot, it was really nice too because it was close to Carson for them. Like it wasn't that far of a drive for games. Um, you're you're able to kind of build a connection with like that part of Southern California. And and like when I go to games, there's a lot of people who like are fans of the team because like they live it down in Orange County. They can go to training camp, like have that experience with their with their families. Like that's been a good thing for the Chargers, but at the same time, it's like time for them to take that next step, and this practice facility is a big part of that. Um, Michael Lopez pointed out the hot tubs. The facilities in general were like the biggest knock mm -hmm. on the Chargers when it came to like that NFLPA survey. You know, it was like the lack of eating areas. It was the, the poor hot tubs. It was the lack of training equipment, like all this stuff, mm -hmm. and the Chargers are getting a – what was it like a two billion dollar facelift or whatever the whole thing is is costing? So it's it's a big time upgrade from a facility standpoint. Like they're getting three football fields at this thing. There's going to be uh, a bar lounge area for season ticket holders to go to. Like mm -hmm. everything you could possibly want in a new practice facility, the Chargers are going to have. And then the location is perfect too because, like you're talking about, it's it's in LA. It's actually in LA because. Right now, most of the players and facility and staff members, they probably live down in Costa Mesa because that's where they are every day. Mm -hmm. And then they have to drive an hour and a half up to SoFi Stadium for games. So it's just kind of a, a disaster. So players will be able to move up more closer to that area, more convenient for them. It's like right next to uh, LAX as well. So it's, it's everything you could want in terms of an upgrade, I think, and it's going to be huge for the team. 
Yeah, this is the interesting point. You sort of already started talking about it. Will the players move out of Orange County now? You know, they live in Newport Beach. It's tough to say. Like, I, I don't know where everybody lives, obviously, but yeah. Um, I think like the drive to SoFi isn't that bad from, let's say, like a, when I lived in Huntington Beach or Fountain Valley or Irvine now. It's not bad, but if I'm an NFL player on game day, like doing that every day, too. Yeah. So, Granted, I think how far is, is, is um the facility from SoFi? Ten minutes, something like that. Yeah, not too far. If there's traffic, it probably takes them twenty. Yeah, so maybe you get like a, you know, a fall winter house. They can afford it. You know, go get yourself like yeah. another. <laughs> they're fine. <laughs> you know, I'd have to drive. Um, but they, I, they can... <laughs> sorry to cut you off. We uh, I don't know if uh, Janae likes the Selling Sunset show. Have you have you watched mm -hmm. that on Netflix before? No. So it's like a real estate like reality bullcrap and on Netflix, but Brooke loves it. And I like looking at the houses and uh, the, this this real estate agent had this client who was like buying a investment property in the hills and then like wanted to buy another house to live at in Malibu. And I'm like, OK, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can do that. Uh, employed <laughs> or not employed by a school. I won't be able to do that. <laughs> He'd have to be employed by like six or seven schools. I'll make it work somehow. Um, I think some players like initially will, they might like stick where they're at, you know, like somebody who's been like somebody like Keenan, who's probably lived in, in that area for the last six or seven years. Like, I don't know if he'll move, but like a new player coming, like they're going to probably want to live like closer to the facility. So I think it'll be some kind of transition. Like when the chargers move to LA, uh, Rivers and a bunch of other players still live down in San Diego for at least like that first year. Mm -hmm. So there will be a transition period for the guys who have kind of been in Southern California for a long time. Yeah. What was I going to say? Yeah, it, it was always just so funky at Costa Mesa where like they have to take a bus. Like this not like they had the facility, they get wrapped and they walk out to the field. It was like they're over there, wherever they came from. Like we never got access to that. And then they had to get a bus to the field and then for, for like the for training camp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this just seems like much more streamlined. I'm sure the AC is going to be great. Everything's new. It's clean. Yeah. Hopefully. And they'll have a cafeteria that actually like can fit the players and everything. Like everything looks so incredible in that facility. I, I, I can't wait to go and see it when it's done. I know. Hopefully we get some sort of fun access, but will she keep supporting the show? So we don't get fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I like from a advantage standpoint, like I think having a brand new facility is a big deal for free agents. Like mm -hmm. if, if you are like wanting this, like from a free agency standpoint, like if you're a player who's got an offer from the Chargers or who's got an offer from like, I don't know, let's say like the Panthers. I don't know. Just throwing this out there. I don't know what the Panthers facilities are like, but it's like you're debating between these two things and it's like L.A., Justin Herbert, new practice mm -hmm. facility, like all of that matters. And so yeah. I think a lot of it is is like the advantages are going to be like from a day-to-day -day basis, but like having a brand new spanking, uh, brand spanking new facility, that helps from a free agent standpoint as well. Yeah. Did you see the Viking schedule release video? Yeah, that their practice facility. Yeah, they, the, the drones fly through. Like they have just everything was so nice and state of the art. Yeah. It was really, I was really jealous watching that one. So <laughs> try to get something like that doing pretty good. Yeah. Like if you've seen the videos of the practice facility, like locker room now in Costa Mesa, 
it almost looks like like an old college like there's <laughs> just like you know what i mean like it looks like a yeah a place where like some of these teams will go do training camp at a college and that's what the chargers locker room looks like it looks like an old like division two college yeah i mean it's it's across from a community college i don't even know what the complex is for is it I mean, OCC has a football team, but like, I don't know. The building was like an office building. Like it wasn't yeah. like a, uh, it wasn't like a football thing. I don't know if they just like bought the whole building and then like mm -hmm. tore some of it down or what, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a good place to stop then. <laughs> Oh, you waiting for me to comment on that? I wasn't. I don't know. I didn't know if you had anything else to add. No, it would be another hour. Okay, sounds good. Well, uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for us today. We uh, will be live on uh, next week for our next episode here on Thursday. We'll be, of course, on the Chargers feeds on Tuesday. We're gonna have a lot of fun with that episode. We're gonna be uh, sorting out the AFC hierarchy. So we talked a lot today about like, well, how might the Chargers? you know beat out the chiefs and stuff like that on tuesday we'll sort everything out in the afc talking about like the notable offseason moves and everything like that so stay tuned there and then uh yeah we're, we're coming up on the dead period officially where there's not a ton of talk ton of stuff to talk about so uh we'll be creative we'll have some fun shows like we did last year um but appreciate everybody in the chat today appreciate tyler for his time as always that's gonna do it for us today we'll see you guys later